Hi, everybody. It's John Dickerson. Welcome or welcome back to the Connection Point podcast. At the end of this episode, I'd encourage you to take a moment and check out cp.news on your web browser. Connection Point is a church that is fully online, and you can follow Jesus one day at a time from anywhere in the world with us. Well, I pray this message inspires you and challenges you today to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Well, hello, Connection Point. Uh, Welcome. Thanks for for joining in with us. And uh, welcome there in Fishers. And welcome Avon. And also welcome to the online family. Uh, We're thankful for you. Maybe you're online because you're not feeling well. Just want you to know we're praying for you and uh, excited when you can join us in person. Maybe, uh, maybe maybe you just chose to stay home or you're unable to get here and we're praying for you as well. Maybe you're multitasking. Maybe you're online and you're working out right now. Good for you. Keep it up. You're working out uh, physically and spiritually all at the same time. Look at you. That's fantastic. So uh, we're just thankful that we have the blessing to to, to gather around God's word and worship and uh, let him minister to us. We're wrapping up this series called Kings and Queens this weekend, and it's been a series on relationships. And in particular, what does it look like when we start to treat the people around us uh, like royalty? And as we wrap up the series, uh, what was just on my heart was a particular group of people in our community, uh, across our, our nation, certainly in our churches, Uh, that we have relationship with, but uh, I I think are extra deserving of the royal treatment. And that group of people are singles. Singles represent roughly 120 million adult Americans. Uh, Depending on what city you're in or what church you're in, uh, they represent between 25 and 40% of, of an average church congregation. This is not a small portion or a select few. Single people uh, make up a great amount of our population of our church. And uh, yet there's challenges for people who are single. Uh, there, there's the challenges of, of loneliness. There's unique challenges of kind of where do I fit and where do I belong when it seems like everybody's married, if they've got their family, or uh, how do I fit into this small group or this particular ministry? There's the challenges of temptation that might be unique to someone who's single that are different sort of temptations when, when you're married. There's the, the challenges of uh, maybe the whole workload of uh, your life and your home life are on your shoulders as a single person because maybe you're single, but you're also a parent. And in that case, then uh, there's the challenges of what you happen to bear all by yourself that are so, so difficult. Just the whole thing of being single is a rather complex issue. If you kind of look at this sort of graphic of singleness, I mean, being single in your 20s is obviously... um, different nuance than maybe being single in your 40s, and that's maybe altogether different than what it would look like to be single in your 70s. Uh, There are people who are single who are completely content with it, and then others who are frustrated constantly by it. Uh, There are the, the, the cultural pressures and challenges that get put on 
single people. Uh, there are often church challenges and pressures that get put on uh, single people. Even what does it mean to be single? For some people, being single is never married, have never been married. Others are single because they, ha they were married for a while and now are divorced, single again. And then there are those that are single because they've been widowed or widowered, and each of those are, are completely different aspects of singleness. And so it's a really complex sort of issue. And so as we, we talk about this, if you are single here, I, I really want to honor you. I thank God for you. But I also am aware enough of the challenges that come from what it is to be single and relationally speaking, how, how you go through your week and your day-to-day -day is totally different than somebody uh, that's got their family right there under the same, same roof. Married people within the church, we should honor single people because they're doing some of the greatest ministry at Connection Point. And we need to have them on our radar and thank God for them because they're such a crucial part of our family and of our body too. Um, and as we get into the word of God, actually there's some phenomenal things that God's word has for us. And there's a particular passage in 1 Corinthians that I would like to draw your attention to. And so if you have your Bible or Bible app on your phone, open it up and go to 1 Corinthians and go to chapter seven. And this is a chapter that, uh, that Paul is writing uh, to the believers in Corinth, and he begins to address some very specific things to both married and unmarried people in this conversation about some of the differences and some of the challenges that come with both, relationally speaking, he addresses in a really pastoral way. And if you, you get a chance to read through the whole thing, then, then great, if you have that opportunity uh, later this week. But as he gets into this conversation, I want to draw your attention to a couple of things that stand out to me. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 7. Paul says, but I wish everyone were single just as I am. Hello? Paul, the, 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 the guy that God used to write a vast majority of the New Testament. One, just a, a quick word, if you didn't catch it somewhere along the journey, he's single. This is a godly man, been transformed from an ungodly life to a radically godly life, and God used him in, in phenomenal ways while he was alive and then has continued to because of his specific role in, in authoring these books of scripture. And yet he's coming from a place of, of singleness. Now there's some that debate that maybe he was married at some point and maybe he, he, he lost his wife. There's some speculation, there's some reasons why uh, different Bible scholars believe that that's the case. All we know is um, he's single now. And he speaks up and he says, hey, just from, from someone who's trying to care for you as a believer and shepherd you as a believer, what I'm hoping is that you would just stay single. If you're 
if you're not married, then fine. He says, I wish everybody were single as I am. But then listen, yet each person, he says, has a special gift from God of one kind or another. Listen to me on this, and, and, and I'm going to say it, and then I want to be very gentle with this afterwards, because I think this is what Paul is getting at here. Listen, single people, singleness is a gift from God. Singleness is a gift from God. You might be sitting here today and you go, Ron, it doesn't feel like a gift. I've been single for so long and it's felt like anything but a gift. Or if it is a gift, it's like the worst gift ever. This is not a gift that I want. I opened it and I hate it. This is not a gift I like. Or, or, or maybe you're, you're in a tough relational situation that's trending away from relationship and back into singleness. And so to hear that it's a gift, you're just going, I, I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't feel like this will ever be a gift. I'm just dreading it. Or because you've lost the one that you loved already, you go, gosh, compared to what I had, and I had a good marriage and now I don't have that. This doesn't feel like a gift in, in comparison. One, I just want to say, one, I'm sorry, I get that. I can empathize with you. And I'm hurting along with you. As a church, we just want to grieve along with you and recognize the specific challenges that come with being single. It is not easy. But from God's perspective, he does call us to things often that are a different perspective than we happen to have about it at a particular time. And in this particular case, we are reminded that singleness is a gift. And you don't need to believe that or receive that or feel that way right now. But what I'm hoping and praying for is that, that maybe later you would. That, that sometime in the next few weeks or the next couple of years, that God would broaden your perspective and you would see it as more than just what it is right now. And you would come to see some of the gift that singleness can be. Singleness is a gift from God. If you're single, someday you might have the gift of marriage. But right now, you've got the gift of singleness. It, it, it is a gift. This is a reminder that singleness is a gift. That it, it, singleness isn't a less than. Singleness isn't a disease. Singleness isn't something that, that means something's wrong with you. Single's just a particular station in life that a huge percentage of the population have, and it is a particular gift, it's a particular opportunity that is different from those who are in a marriage relationship. And so the relationships look a little bit different. Singleness is a gift. I didn't always feel like it was a gift. 
I'm going to be 50 in like a month. And I didn't get married until like two weeks before I turned 30. That was this like stigma sort of thing. I finally met my wife and uh, we started to set the date, you know, to, to get married. And I said, I want to be married before I turn 30. I don't know why, it's stupid, it's silly, but I'm gonna, we, we need to fast track this thing, okay? And so we got it in right under the wire, like two, three weeks before I turned 30, we got married so that I could say, I got married in my 20s. How stupid is that? But there is this stigma to it, and so, so I got married at 29, barely, barely got it in under the wire. That, that meant that I had a little over a decade of my adult life was single. And during college, that's one thing. In the early 20s, and you're dating and figuring stuff out, and that's another thing. Then you get to mid-20s or late 20s, and you start to go, my goodness, is this going to be the, the deal? Is this the plan, Lord? I mean, I, I met her, and I thought I could make it work, and then I found out She's a crazy person, and so we're going to go a different direction. <laughs> and, okay, maybe singleness is a gift. <laughs> By comparison, I got right up over to the edge and looked over, almost fell off, and I went, whoa, I'd rather stay away from the cliff, thank you very much. But then, again, you know, you give it enough time, and you start to go, oh, I don't want this to be my whole life, and Lord, I would love to be married, and I'd love to have kids, and I'd love to have a family, and but it was a tough decade. But you know what the, the best part for me was? Was a young married couple, Dan and Carly Russell. Dan was a coworker of mine. I was a youth pastor during that whole decade. And he was another pastor of the church. And he'd been one of those losers that got married at 21 years old, found the love of his life. They started having kids right away. But the beauty of it was they didn't treat me different because I was single. As married people, wherever they did, whatever they did, pre-kids for them, even post-kids for them, they just invite me over. I was just a friend of theirs, and they never made me feel like a third wheel. And it was such a gift and such a blessing, one of friendship, but two, because I got to, to see up close from young married people, like how marriage might look. And they were actually a really good testimony of it. And that was such a gift and such a blessing to me. Singleness really is a gift from God, but, but how? How is it a gift? Well, Paul's going to give us at least two answers to that question, how singleness is really a gift. If you skip down to verse 24, let me draw your attention to a couple of things. If you're single, kind of lean in here on this. Verse 24, Paul says, Each of you, dear brothers and sisters, should remain as you were when God first called you. Skip down to verse 26. Because of the present crisis, I think it's best to remain as you are. Now, we don't know what the present crisis was. Uh, we're we're kind of guessing. We do know, though, at this particular moment in history, there was tremendous persecution that was beginning to uh, be experienced by Christians. People were persecuting believers. And as you'd imagine, that could be a, a present crisis that 
you could only imagine, right, if you're married or you've got a family and persecution breaks out. See, it's one thing if persecution breaks out and it's just me that gets affected, but you really want to gut me, then persecution against my wife or persecution against my kids, man, that would kill me. And so maybe that's part of it. He says, considering the present crisis, this issue, I, I just recommend that you remain as you were. Uh, stay in the place that you are. See, we, we, can, we can get so aggressive about seeking another station in life that we, we miss his voice. We're so obsessed and preoccupied with having what we don't have yet. The grass is always greener on the other side. If I were only married, or you could apply this to a whole bunch of other things. If I had this job instead of that, or this thing instead, and, and if we, we get so aggressive about seeking another station of life, we might miss his voice. And we'll miss today being so preoccupied with what we don't have rather than being thankful for what we do have. And so to learn what it is to just remain where you are. That's why you hear so many stories about people who really do want to be married and they get real aggressive about it for months and years and whatnot. And then have you ever heard people say, and then I finally just gave up and stopped looking. And that's when he came. That's when she, that happens a lot. There's something I think that God's trying to cultivate in all of us remaining wherever we are that has to do more with our hearts, what's going on in our hearts than just looking for a change in circumstances. And so he says, remain. I think it's a pretty good idea. And then listen, though. Listen. He, he wants to give a little caveat here. Look at verse 27. He continues. If you have a wife, do not seek to end the marriage. Hello. Good word. If you do not have a wife, do not seek to get married. Okay, fantastic. Easier said than done. But if you do get married, it is not a sin. And if a young woman gets married, it's not a sin. However, listen, those who get married at this time will have troubles. And I'm trying to spare you those problems. I love how honest it is. We've been talking about relationships for a few weeks now. A lot of that has had to do with marriage relationships, but not all. And so, yes, marriage is a phenomenal gift. But there's troubles. There's a lot of troubles that come with marriage. Single people, we just want to be honest, if you've never been married, there's a lot of troubles that come with it. There, there's troubles that come in marriage because there's different personalities involved. There's troubles that come with how you handle finances and money. There's troubles that come with marriage with what direction do you want to go as a couple or in your life. There's troubles that come with 
kids, should we have them? Whoops, we had them, now what do we do with them? (laughs) We have too many kids. I like four of them, but that fifth one, not so much. What are we gonna do now? There's challenges. There's challenges with, with the health that you, you would experience with each other, fights and drifting away. There's challenges that you'd experience with actual health trouble that a spouse will go through with the person that you love the most. There's sin struggles that can rise to the surface in the life of the one that you love the most. And all of this is taking place under the same roof. Now there's blessings under that same roof, but there are challenges. And God's saying, there are some real challenges there just for your radar. If you've been married before and you're not now, you know there's challenges in marriages. You know what I'm talking about. So one opportunity that's, I think, unique to single people is that there there are freedoms from the challenges of marriage. There are freedoms from those challenges. When when you are single, you're not encumbered with the day-to-day, in-and-out challenges that do come with marriage, many of which I just listed. But here's the thing. Sometimes God is trying to spare you from something when he doesn't bring you something. And (laughs) that was a little too eager, sir. (laughs) I hope you're single. Um, If you're online, somebody just yelled out, amen, all right. But that's the deal. And this certainly applies in this particular case, in relationships, in dating, in marriage. But this is a principle that applies to a lot of areas, you know, God wants to spare us from so much hurt and so much harm. And sometimes that's why he puts barriers in the way. That's why he doesn't allow us to get what our hearts actually desire because our hearts are messed up. And our hearts long for certain things that aren't always healthy or we think we know what's best for us, but our creator actually knows what's better for us. And so sometimes he's just wanting to spare us uh, from something that's really not great. It's kind of like this. Um, Imagine just for a second that uh, this is you, okay? This this is probably the single guy, okay? Uh, We we could reverse the gender and I could have this be the the woman, but I'm a guy, so so this will be me, Okay? And, and we get into this situation where we're over here, and then here she comes. You guys, this, is one, this, is, this illustration occurred to me at 2.30 in the morning. So if this is horrible, um, you can blame me later, okay? But, but, but you're over here, and she's over here, and you're like, wow, look at her. I mean, look at her blue eyes. She wears pink like I like. I mean, her skin is soft. At least it appears because I haven't touched it yet. Hang on. <laughs> but, but my goodness, I, I, I think I'm falling in love with her. 
I think she's the one. And you're here and she's here and you start to advance and then God drops in a barrier. And we're like, oh no, I, I, I can't, I can't be with her. But, but this, is, this is who I want. This is what I need. Th- this is it. God, I want this. I really need this. And, and we bang against the barrier. We're banging against the wall. We bang against the circumstances of what he is not allowing. He's trying to spare us from some things. The, the, the grace of God, though, is that he will allow us to bang against the barrier that he puts in place for quite a while. But at some point he'll say, okay, if that's what you really want, then all right, go for it. And we plow over the barrier (laughs) and we come to realize, whoa. I thought she was a kitten, but oh, this is not good at all. She's horrible. Or he's horrible. Run. Get out of here. It's not the kitten I thought she was. God's trying to spare us from some things. And when he doesn't bring it, Sometimes, yes, it's just a timing thing. Sometimes the barrier is just put in place because it's not the right time. Sometimes the barrier is put in place because it's not the right person. But God, at some point, because he's allowed us free will, will say, all right, that's what you want. Go for it. And then you're also going to have to deal with the fallout on the other side of that. And yet, in his grace, he doesn't bail on us. He can make whole a relationship that's gone bad. And he can also provide for you if you are banging your head against the wall and then say, okay, I get it, Lord. I'm, I'm going to back off. I, I get that you're trying to spare me. But would you provide for me? Because I've got some needs, and you know the desire of, of my heart. I, I want to be married. I would just say, let's not make an idol out of marriage. There's an ability for us in friendships, in relationships, and certainly even in marriages where we can look to another person to be our savior. There is only one savior, and it's Jesus Christ. You're not your savior, and no other human being will ever be your savior. It's only Jesus that's our savior. And if he's got you at a particular station in life where he's trying to remind you of what it is just to be in relationship with him first, okay, don't rush past that. Because if you get that, then the rest of the relationships will be quite a a blessing. Well, if you skip down, his thoughts kind of continue very pastorally here. Skip down to verse 32 of chapter 7. Paul says, I I want you to be free from the concerns of this life. An unmarried man can spend his time doing the Lord's work and thinking how to please him. 
but a married man has to think about his earthly responsibilities and how to please his wife. His interests are divided. That's not bad. It's just reality. Turns out it's the same thing for the ladies. In the same way, a woman who is no longer married or has never been married can be devoted to the Lord and holy in body and spirit. But a married woman has to think about her earthly responsibilities and how to please her husband. I love this. Verse 35, I'm saying this for your benefit, not to place restrictions on you. I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best with as few distractions as possible. See, another opportunity that I think is unique to singleness is that you're able to give undivided interest to God's work. I also think that's another reason that singleness is a gift. As much as a gift of marriage is, I know that now I am not able to devote to kingdom work in an outward way as much as I would if I were single. Because my primary ministry is to my family. And then secondarily, it, it, the, rip, the, the ring next is all of us here together. But I have to start with my family. And then I move to that next ring out. We're a single person, you're right there able to be undivided attention to the Lord's work because some of the preoccupations and responsibilities that come with a spouse or children, you're not necessarily having to, to bear at that particular season. One of my closest friends is named Chris, and Chris uh, has been uh, suffering from a disability called torsional dystonia uh, since he was in eighth grade. And uh, Chris, uh, Chris is my hero. Uh, Chris is, uh, he woke up eighth grade morning and uh, his whole life changed. Torsional dystonia means the twisting of the torso from inside all his organs and ligaments and, and tendons and whatnot began to twist up his trunk. It affected his ability to walk. It affected his voice. It affected his internal organs. And, and as he, he, Got through high school, he almost died. He gets through college and the Lord brings some healing so he's able to walk. And then the Lord revealed like, I've got a plan and purpose for you even in this crazy journey and it's to be a speaker. And he jokes about it because he's like, I, I can't even speak well. How in the world are you gonna make me a speaker? And that's Chris there that you see. And that's also a venue that he just spoke at. He's still single. He's just a couple of years older than I. But I have seen him in the ability to have undivided attention to the Lord's work. He has been able to go to places and a frequency which I could not or others could not if they were married. But in his singleness, he is able to serve the Lord in a very unique and special way. And yet what's crazy to me is that Chris still desires to be married. I think it's going to happen someday. But that's been a desire he's had for his whole life so far. And he still wants to be married. And I'm praying that that happens. God has not removed that desire. But in the meantime, he continues 
to focus on the Lord and the work of the kingdom rather than the aggressive seeking of a spouse. I have another friend named Barbara. And this is Barbara, and she's been a missionary in Brazil and single her entire life. She's been a missionary in Brazil since the late 1960s. She's now in her 80s, still serving the Lord, still building the kingdom of God. And the amount of people down in Brazil, the village area that you see there, the, the amount of lives that she has impacted in a way that is totally different and unique to her in her singleness than if she had her own family, spouse, kids. It's been a unique blessing right here in our own church. We've got a dear, dear little sister here named Katie. And Katie happens to be my daughter Leilani's small group leader. Katie volunteers here in CP Kids, and she's my daughter's small group leader. Now, Katie's just in college, and so I don't know if she wants to get married, and maybe she'll get married someday. But right now, she is just going through school and undivided attention on the Lord's work so that this last Monday, she texted, hey, I've got the day off, and I'd love to hang out with Leilani. I'd love to spend time with your daughter if she's game. And as a pastor, and even more so as a dad, the blessing to me of someone that had a free day and chose it to spend it invested in my little girl, that's such a gift. But had she had other responsibilities or even different sorts of relationships, she might have needed to or chosen to spend her time in a different way. But I honor and thank God for Katie and all of those of you that, that do likewise. When you've got that ability to give undivided attention, it's quite the blessing. There are so many notable singles in, in biblical history. I mean, you look at this here and, and without even going through them, look at the list. I mean, God used single people. Some of these people on this list were never married. Others, that they had been married or eventually got married, but in their singleness, while they were single, devoted to the work of the Lord, is when God really flooded through them in a, a powerful way that still echoes through history. See, the gift of singleness is a gift to the church. It's a gift to you if you're single, but it's also a gift to the church. It's a gift to the kingdom of God. Some of the most significant ministry going on in the life of the church right now is happening through single people. People who have never been married. People that have worked their way and healed up on the other side of divorce. People who are single after they have been widowed or widowered. And they're still pouring out, still investing in the kingdom of God. And what a gift that is. Romans chapter 12, little snapshot about the church. Romans chapter 12, verses 4 and 5. It says, just as our bodies have many parts, each part has a special function. And so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. And if you skip down a few verses, it continues and says, when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always eager to practice hospitality. 
What a great word about church, but also a great word about how we're to operate relationally with each other, married people and unmarried people. We belong to each other. We're all part of the same body. We each have a different gift at a particular time. Single people, we don't want to relegate you to some little compartment of the church. You are the church. We want to honor you. Married people, we need to come alongside the single people as much as they're coming alongside so much of the work of the ministry of the church. Practice hospitality with them. We've got a responsibility, I believe, wholeheartedly to invest as much in those who are single, divorced, widowed, or widowed than we do with people with spouses or children. We have that responsibility to invest. And so let's do it. The relationships that we all have are unique. The station that we have in life is all unique. But God's put us all in this together. And that's the beauty of the church. That's the beauty of the family of God. As we wrap up this time, I, I would just like to maybe lead us in a little bit of a prayer. And married people, you can lift up the brothers and sisters in Christ that we've got here who are unmarried. Just kind of in spirit, joining with me as I pray. I came across this years ago tracked it back down and uh, it's not going to be up on screen because I just really want to focus on this being a, a prayerful moment for those of you who are single but if you want these you can go online to our sermon website and this will be linked there with the uh, study guide as usual but singles I just invite you to just in spirit, just kind of pray along with me as I kind of lead us in this time. Would you bow your heads with me? Gracious Heavenly Father, it doesn't always feel like singleness is a gift, so please help me. While I'm here in this particular season, please listen to my heart's prayers. Jesus, please make not my will, but yours be done. Jesus, please reveal as much of yourself to me as possible while I'm still single. Jesus, please satisfy me so fully now that I never look to anyone else to make me happy. Jesus, please tell the world about yourself through my joy and my freedom in singleness. Jesus, please give me faith to trust you even when I walk through pain and disappointment alone. Jesus, please send me the people that I need in order to follow you well. Jesus, please, if you have called me to marry, help me to date differently in a selfless, godly manner. Jesus, please protect me from making work my God while I wait for marriage. 
Jesus, please, keep me from conforming to the world around me and make me more like Jesus. And so, Lord, out of the overflow of what you're doing in me, please overflow to all my relationships, making others around me feel like the kings and queens, the royalty that they are, all for your glory's sake. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Well, if today's episode encouraged you or helped you in any way, we would invite you to keep following Jesus with us. We send out a daily video text devotional. You can receive that and you can learn how to gather with us online or in person for our weekend services. All of that is available over at cp.news. That's the letter C, the letter P.news on your phone or desktop or tablet browser. Thanks again for joining us and please join me again next week for the Connection Point Podcast.